0: Hi and welcome to the latest episode of the ACNC's podcast, Charity Chat. My name is Chris Richards and I'm from the ACNC's education team. This edition of Charity Chat sees us examine corporate partnerships, what they are, the opportunities they provide for charities to partner with a business to increase the reach and breadth of their work, and some of the considerations charities should have in mind before embarking on a partnership. And to help us out, we welcome special guest Linda Garnett to the microphone. Linda is an experienced corporate partnerships consultant, and she recently joined us to share her knowledge on the topic. We hope you enjoy this episode of Charity Chat. Hi Linda, how are you? Hi Chris, great to see you. How are you going? I'm well, I'm well. I guess we should start at the start. Um, what is corporate partnership?
1: Let's start at the very beginning. What's a corporate partnership? It's a relationship that helps you deliver on your charity's mission, it creates social good. But it also generates value for the corporate partner. And there's lots of different types of corporate partnerships. And I think sometimes charities start with the most basic one, which is about funding.
0: Yeah, yeah. But they shouldn't be locked into just the basic uh, model, should they? There's, there's more out there, isn't there?
1: Look, it's undeniable that, that corporates are very willing to to be philanthropic and to give to charities. But there's a lots of charities out there. So... How do you distinguish between them and how do you get value out of a relationship that's more than um, just a, an initial check? What's a long-term relationship that's going to create value for both of you? So there's, we encourage charities to think beyond just the funding or fundraising perhaps amongst their staff. There's, a, there's corporate philanthropy out there, there's community grants, but there are so many things that a corporate can do for you that can really help transform you and your mission.
0: So when we're talking about... Um looking wider looking at some different partnership models what are some of them
1: let me give you some examples Chris first of all think about a partnership that might be able to give you some goods or services in kind so it may be depending on your activity that the thing you need more is premises for example it could be a warehouse uh, for your goods or it, uh, it could be uh, specific services, like you actually need someone to help build your website. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a great example of an international aid agency who was doing training in their programs, and the biggest cost to their program was printing. So they partnered with an organisation that did printing who covered all of the cost of all of their training materials and enabled them to run the program at a much lower cost.
0: Okay, so the importance of being able to... Identify what you might need as a as a charity um, and a, a gap that you might have, and and then to be able to fill it through a partnership.
1: I think that's right. You start really with what you actually need and where you where's your organisation going. So what's its mission, and then look for synergies. Look for organisations that have a vested interest in you succeeding, or that have core skills or capabilities that actually match your needs. So, for example, there might be a small community-based charity that needs volunteers. So let's look at organisations, whether it's corporates or medium-sized businesses, that have a big staff engagement program that are going to help you with volunteers to help run your program. So that's a good example of finding those synergies.
0: With finding a business, also charities shouldn't be, I guess, locking themselves into looking at the at the big end of town either. They should cast their net wide, or at least have an attitude towards casting their net wide, and even looking in their local area, shouldn't they?
1: There's certainly uh, a lot of value in looking at your local area, especially if you're a small community-based organisation. There's a lot of goodwill that's generated by your charity. And sometimes there might be a very community-based program that's very relevant to local businesses. For example, one of the uh, outer eastern suburbs in Melbourne is working with local businesses to create family-friendly areas for at-risk and vulnerable families.
0: Wonderful, yeah. So
1: that's a great way of using all of the expertise in your local community. And I don't think they have a big corporate out there at all. It's all um, local high street businesses.
0: So, if you're interested, if you're a charity that's that's interested and in wanting to get involved uh, in a in a partnership, wh- where do you start? What's the what's the starting point?
1: Well, sometimes I think charities, particularly the smaller size charities, think that it just looks really hard. But there's some really basic things you can do to put the foundations in place to get yourself ready for those discussions. So it's not like um, you you rock up to um, a very large corporate sort of with an ask on day one. You you need to get your own house in order, I think, first, Chris. Yeah,
0: they're very busy, so they don't want to be uh, having people come up uninvited, do they?
1: No, there'll be a queue of you as well. Yeah, that's right. So I think it starts basically with your own strategy, your own organisational strategy and mission and understanding what is this project or activity or service that is really your most compelling. Get your own house in order about how you talk about your own work Mm. and why you need that corporate partner, why you need that business on board. It's also about putting some perspective, which is not your own perspective because you've lived your, your project or your service or your activity, but thinking about what that business actually needs, what 's important to them, what does value look for, look like for them, and you know, what keeps them awake at night for, for which you know you could be the solution to their problem
0: so to have a, um, to be able to i guess know yourself in terms of knowing what your charity is is on about and what it perhaps might need, but then to be able to step outside yourself and to look in another direction look towards perhaps what um you might be able to offer a a corporate but what a a corporate might need
1: that's right it's a bit like um it's a bit like you don't want to be the world's worst speed date Mm. and you just go in there and talk about yourself all night yeah you've really got to think about what's important to them so you know you've got to know what you've got to offer a prospective partner and think about your particular assets but how does that translate to benefits for your potential partner Mm. as well so you've got to understand you've got to ask the questions about what does that mean for you and what's important to you the partner as well to find those lovely points of synergies that's going to make it work for both of you
0: and with the charity their their board or as as we often call them their responsible persons um they clearly would have a, a i guess a role in um the groundwork and the pre-planning and and that sort of thing as well.
1: I think that's important to have their support. Not only are they valuable as potential introducers, they help build the relationship. And often, if you can make connections at the highest level at a potential corporate partner, then you'll save yourself a lot of months of working through um, different decision makers. Yeah. And so you can get straight to the person who actually has decision making over a budget.
0: So we've sort of touched on some of the considerations you as a a charity should have in terms of looking for a a prospective partner and and perhaps even getting a shortlist or even choosing one how do you go about perhaps choosing a partner but then how do you go about perhaps approaching one as well uh, rather than just turning up at their front office unannounced with a folder or or something like that
1: we sound so scary doesn't it how do you make the first (laughs) approach like a cold call it's like a first date really isn't it Uh, The best place to start is with someone with whom you've already got a warm relationship. So that might be someone who's uh, an individual in a business that's a particular champion or has a lived experience of your services, especially uh, in health charities as well. You often have people that have a very personal experience of your particular services. But it might be a business that's already volunteered with you or made a small donation. So you've got someone who's already warm to you that likes what you do that you need to build on that relationship. So it's something that you can develop further. And certainly when we mentioned that uh, the role of the board is important, helping bring in members of your board or your ambassadors or maybe some of your key experts, might be program experts, a health expert, something like that, to just tell the story of your organisation and the great things that you're doing.
0: Having a foot in the door with with a, a corporate already Um, is is a great place to start and then perhaps to be able to gather some of your knowledgeable people or or that sort of thing to almost put together a a bit of a pitch or a bit of a this is who we are this is what we're on about this is how we'd like to be involved with you. Is is that sort of a, a good way to look at things?
1: I think that's right you need to tell a compelling story about the work that you do and why that would necessarily be important to a corporate partner. So also storytelling and human stories and lots of testimonial are really important. That Let's assume you've done your groundwork and you've figured out a way of um, presenting your project or your activity um, in the right way. You've done your research about who might be the right partner and you've looked at your networks. So networks is another way, Chris, that you can look at expanding from your existing relationships because everyone knows someone. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I would think that if you got your board and your key people in a room and actually mapped what sort of networks do we have and what sort of connections, you'll get a lot of introductions there. Yep. They're just not obvious to you at the first, first pass. So it's not just one person sitting in at their desk trying to uh, find their way into a large corporate.
0: What are some of the, the due diligence steps that um, a charity should consider uh, when they're looking towards a partnership?
1: I think the really important thing is before you actually go and talk to anyone, whether it's a new or an existing relationship, is internally to agree your no-go areas before you actually go out.
0: Oh, well, what's, a, what's a no-go area in, in this sort of context?
1: To understand... The businesses that are outside of your scope, the ones that don't fit with your values or don't fit with your core activities. So, for example, if you're a health promotion charity, you might choose that a tobacco company is not an obvious partner for you. Yes, yes. So be really think about that before you actually get in front of them, because a lot of charities will get fortuitous, uh, cold approaches from a business that actually want to partner with you. And it would be great that you didn't spend six months wandering around internally deciding whether you do did or didn't want to partner with them before you make a decision. So if you have a clear list of these are the either the industries or the types of businesses that aren't a great fit for the mission of our organisation or the values or our activity, that's a really great start point. It narrows your target list.
0: And, you, and most charities would have a pretty fair idea of where these synergies may not be work these no-go areas just through experience, wouldn't they?
1: I think so, but it may well be that they haven't formalised it.
0: Okay.
1: And so rather than assume that your organisation commonly has this understanding, it's really good to actually document it so that everyone knows because if you're tapping into all of your networks, um, whether it's board or staff or ambassadors or clients, then you want them to also know what those no-go areas are um, so that they don't trip each other up.
0: What are some of the uh, aspects to, of of due diligence and what are some of the the easy ways that, that charities can do a little bit of due diligence before they make their approach?
1: Well, Chris, due diligence is a very fancy way of saying do your homework first. Yes, yes. And that homework can be really desktop research, so it doesn't actually have to cost you anything. You'd be amazed how much publicly available information there is out there on a whole load of businesses. Businesses talk about themselves a lot on their website, so there's a lot of information uh, from their annual reports, uh, media and so forth, but there's also a lot that other people might talk about that business. So there might be third-party newspapers, news channels, Mm -hmm. reports, reviews and so forth and that's often available free online so a lot of desktop research is very accessible and is worth spending a bit of time and thinking about really who are you going into this relationship with and do you have as much information as possible and sometimes if you don't have full information the first meeting that you have with them might be a discovery meeting which is just you share a lot of information it's tell me about yourself tell me about what's important fill some gaps in that publicly available information, yeah. and then before you actually get to a pitch, you know everything about them. It's about confidence, but it's also uncovering any skeletons in the closet because what might be a public face of an organisation, there may be a few um, nasties hidden below the radar, and when so that's that's worth um, worth looking at.
0: When you say nasties below the radar, what what, what do you mean by, by that?
1: Sometimes you will find that... Uh, companies are owned by a much larger larger uh, organisation. So they're a subsidiary of a much larger organisation. So I remember looking at a partnership with a small engineering company that was local in Australia, and it was a great company and had supported a children's charity for a while. But the research showed that it had been taken over. It had been taken over by a big multinational armaments company,
0: Oh, okay.
1: So all of a sudden that fit with a children's charity that was promoting sort of children's rights and, and children's welfare didn't fit with a company that was owned by someone selling armaments. Yeah, yeah. So that was definitely worth the research to actually dig a little bit further and find out what are the connections there.
0: When a charity and a and a corporate end up happily in a in a partnership, what are some of the steps that they can take? towards ensuring that the partnership remains healthy uh, and is, I guess, maintained uh, in, in in a healthy way.
1: I think an important start point, Chris, is to actually have a contract, have a written agreement that sets out the terms of the partnership, the expectations of both the partners, what are the deliverables, what are the time frames, because sometimes things done on a handshake start off well, but then there's misunderstandings. There are changes yeah. that, that happen, people changes, and then you forget kind of where you started and you realise you're in a place that you didn't expect to be. So having it written down in black and white can sound a bit sort of formalised to get you know, lawyers involved, but it's actually well worth it further down the track. And there's a great example of a large charity that went into partnership with one of the airlines. Yeah. And lots of enthusiasm... Um, the senior people shook hands. They had a big media launch and one of those oversized checks wow, and that, lots
0: of smiles. Those checks are wonderful. They're are they great?
1: <laughs> great in the picture. And then when it got back to respective offices, they kind of looked at each other and went, now what? Because they actually hadn't thought about how to implement the partnership. Mm. And it took them the first couple of years to really work it out because they had completely unrealistic expectations on both sides and it ended up costing the charity more money to run than it did to benefit them for at least the first two to three years so that's an expensive mistake yeah and you can avoid that simply by just putting some stuff in black and white being really clear about who's doing what what are the expectations and how will you both know you've succeeded at the end of it
0: when you've got this this document from there, I guess it's important that that written agreement doesn't sit up on a shelf somewhere and, and gather dust. Um, there needs to be a, a level of meeting and, and even you know a chat in some way or another between the two partners.
1: Yeah, I think it's wise to build in regular reviews into your agreement, whether that's six monthly or annual reviews, depending on the nature of the partnership. You can look at it, you can both look at it and say, is this still working? Or did the relationship evolve in a way which was so much more than we originally thought? Mm. And then we can keep working on that. And if you think about Chris, how much stuff change there is in large corporates, yeah. even at the CEO level, mm. and then in not for profits, there's constant change and, and um, mergers, there's uh, you know, new changes in, in direction as well. So you need to keep a little bit sort of agile. Yeah. To be able to do that, so regular reviews really help to make sure everyone's on track, or if something is developing, that you take full advantage of it.
0: Yeah. If a a partnership reaches a point where perhaps it might be time to end end it, end things up, not for any bad reason, just because it's run its course, um, like some things do. Is that something that could be put in that that written document at the start? Uh, Or is it something that, you know, you you sit down and you meet and you be a little bit frank about it and say, look, I think we might have run our course here. What what do you believe is the best way of, of doing that?
1: It does help if you've got some regular review points in the contract and any break clauses. So if circumstances change, or if you know, a company merges with another one, for example, you know that might be a break clause. Mm. But I think charities shouldn't be afraid to have the frank conversation of of how's this relationship going, and is it working for both of us as well, and not be afraid to say actually it's not, mm. it's no longer working in the way that in the way that we um, we expected, or we've moved on. You know, yeah. our priorities have changed. And it's certainly worth doing that conversation on a timely basis because everyone in working in a small community organisation or a charity is is strapped for cash and time. Yeah. So let's not waste the opportunity on something that's no longer working for you.
0: That that important point of things are never static; they're always changing. Is it a, a bit of a trap that some charities can fall into that? We we had a partnership or we've got a partnership in place that suited a certain time and it was formed in X year and it's still ongoing, but it's good. We'll just keep it going rather than taking that step and saying, look, it's probably not really working anymore because we've changed.
1: I think the temptation is always when you've got a partnership that's actually giving you money is to keep it, even if it's costing you more to service mm. and it's you know the biggest pain ever to uh, to manage yeah. so it's really hard to step away from that dependence to look at other opportunities but then you need to think about the opportunities you're missing because you're spending so much time on a partnership that's not really going anywhere i remember there was a great one that had been started at one charity with a board member's nephew who'd started this business and um, she'd really pushed hard for why this should be a partner and the board member had long moved on yeah and they were still managing this partnership that never really yielded very much but was very high maintenance, mm-hmm. that was a great opportunity to be able to say, look, this is really not a fit with our mission or delivering what we want it to again. And you part terms in an amicable way.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, this is not a bitter divorce. This is a, <laughs> this is a happy handshake <laughs> and, right. a, and a warm farewell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think it's probably better for both both parties if you actually have that frank and honest conversation. Yeah.
0: If you're a charity and you're looking at this as, a, as an opportunity, um, what would you say, Linda, are the maybe two or three key things that they should have at the front of their mind when they're contemplating perhaps getting into a partnership?
1: I think the start point is that really first fundamental point of like understanding yourself and what you want to get out of a partnership with a corporate or a small or medium-sized business. So it's really about what do you want to get out of this and think beyond that funding um, paradigm, uh, the whole list of the gamut of things, of goods, of services, advocacy, networks, expertise. What is it that is going to help you deliver on your mission and transform that? Yeah. So that's really about you knowing yourself first. The second thing is knowing what you can offer to a prospective partner and the benefits that accrue to that because you can offer lots of value in different ways. And then it's about doing your, doing your homework, yeah, doing yeah. Your, your desktop research, uh, having conversations, using your networks to find out more, to find the synergies that work and the partnerships that are really going to be sustainable for you versus a quick hit in yeah. funding. So it goes back to know yourself, know what you've got to offer, and then find the right fit.
0: I think there's some pretty wise words to finish on. Thank you very much, Linda, for coming in and sharing your knowledge on these matters. Um, It's been wonderful. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Chris. And best of luck to everyone out there who's embarking on corporate partnerships.
0: Indeed, best of luck. Be sure to check out other episodes of ACNC Charity Chat and other resources, including guides, fact sheets and webinars on our website, at acnc.gov.au and if you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more subscribe on itunes or wherever you happen to access it thanks for listening we'll see you next time